0: What's going on with you guys, man? It's your man Dre, a.k.a. Dre on the Wheels, the host of the 1130 podcast Talk Pro Wrestling. Stick with me, the show is coming up. Yo, what it do, everybody? This your man Dre, aka Dre on Wheels. This is episode eighteen of the Eleven Thirty Podcast Talk Pro Wrestling. How everybody doing out there? Glad you guys joining me here on another episode. You guys, wherever you are in the world, good morning, good night, good afternoon, you guys. To all my listeners all over the states, Canada, Germany, wherever you are in the world, I appreciate joining Dre on Wheels. For a new episode, this week. If you knew, if you new, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, leave a view, a five-star rating on Apple. I appreciate it so so much. I want to send a shout out to my guest who was on last week, Ken Beckner. Yes, man, shout out to all my independent wrestlers. Uh, Ring announcers, everybody that's doing their thing out there, man. It's hard times right now with this whole pandemic. So um, keep pushing at it, man. For real, keep pushing at it. But like uh, like I was saying, you guys, uh, this show is going to be a good one. And it's going to be an honor, you guys. Uh, My guest here, Miranda Morales, you guys. She's a ring announcer. She's a backstage interviewer. She's also a podcaster guys, but you you heard what I said. She's a ring announcer, so you know I got to do it right. I got to do it right, you guys, so here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, making her way to the 1130 Podcast Talk Pro Wrestling, all the way from Arizona. She's a ring announcer, backstage interviewer for IZW, and she's a podcaster. She's the host of The Miranda Show She's also involved in Lucha Central Weekly, the chair shop, available at www.chairshot.com and luchacentral.com. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, she's from Arizona. She's a ring announcer. She's the queen of soft style. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Miranda. Miranda Morales. (laughs) <laughs> how you doing
1: how oh my doing gosh that? that was that was so great that's the first time I've ever been announced like that I'm so used to doing the announcing that it's now I know what it feels like that was wonderful thank you Jay
0: thank you thank you I hope I did good
1: <laughs> you did great perfect like I, I love that I love it thank you
0: uh thank you um how's it going um uh, thank you once again thank you for joining me on the podcast but uh how's it going
1: Oh, it's going real good, you know? I mean, it, we definitely this year has been so full of ups and downs but you know I think through it I've definitely been getting to do a lot of fun and cool projects with podcasting um, as you mentioned I, I've primarily been ring announcing been doing that for three years but now the you know shows have stopped it's definitely required me to look into pursuing other uh, projects and passions and podcasting has been one of them so I definitely commend you on all of the work that you do on the 1130 podcast uh, each and every week because hey it's definitely Definitely not easy. Um, it takes a lot of work. So thank you again for having me on this show. And just congratulations on the success of your podcast.
0: Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, it's not easy. Um, I have uh, two podcasts, the wrestling one and the main one that comes out on Tuesday. So, but I, yeah, I try to stay focused and I try to stay busy. But um, thank you once again. Uh, you have a podcast also. You're the host of your podcast, The Miranda uh, Show. And also you're a part of Shot Podcast and Lucha Central. Can you tell us about um, your podcast and the podcast that you're involved in?
1: Yeah, so I definitely do a lot of podcasts, and those are just things that kind of happened. Um, I first started about uh, almost two years ago uh, with uh, The Chair Shot. Um, I call him the kingpin of The Chair Shot, Greg DeMarco. He runs Um He also has his own podcast, uh, The Greg DeMarco Show, and he asked me to guest host uh, one of his shows one time. And I had so much fun that it just continued to grow. So I was on there every week. I still am as part of his show, one of the co-hosts. But then uh, we were actually, him and I were at the Royal Rumble in Phoenix uh, back at the beginning of 2019. And as we were waiting for the show to start, we just got talking about me doing my own podcast. And so he really encouraged me to do that. And I really wanted to do something on my own, Um, really wanted to... um, You know just show my perspective of wrestling because uh it is a little different than most fans i'm much more driven by story and character um and again too as as much as there's been now a huge boom in female podcasting um it always still feels like there isn't enough so i really wanted to have that opportunity too to show uh you know what a female perspective of pro wrestling so that's how the hashtag miranda show was born and uh then over this year i got the opportunity to join a brand new podcast uh, called the lucha central weekly podcast part of luchacentral.com and that one is very different because it just focuses on the world of lucha libre so we talk anywhere from the big promotions in mexico like aaa and cmll we also cover some of the more independent promotions throughout mexico and then lucha related news um, in wwe and ring of honor and mlw and that was something I had to learn uh, more about. I've I've watched some Lucha Libre as a kid, um, really with WCW and the Cruiserweight division was my first introduction, but I hadn't really gone too in depth into that side of wrestling until this project came about. And it's been so cool. I mean, there's there's things culturally that I am very aware of and adapt to with with Lucha Libre, but there's so much difference between Lucha Libre and, and American wrestling and learning those differences and how, um, even just learning about Lucha Libre in uh, the American context, when we see luchadores on WWE or AEW, you know, how does that translate to an American audience compared to how does say a, a Latino audience relate to that? So uh, I really try and do projects that are all a little bit different, um, but things that interest me. And I've been really fortunate to be able to do that through uh, both the chairshot.com and luchacentral.com
0: okay that's cool uh you said you were uh, a part of uh, the royal rumble back in phoenix yes how was it how was that experience
1: Uh, so it was i've gone to raws and smackdowns before but that was my very first pay-per-view to go to and for it to be you know one of the big four the royal rumble like it was uh, amazing you know like just the the grandeur of it all the spectacle like it really did like it was so cool and because that was also really the the peak of say like Becky Lynch you know and, and her career and and I just remember that particular point too after she lost her match with Asuka a lot of you know people just in the stands wondering so where where is Becky Lynch going to fit into this is she going to be in the women's Royal Rumble and the way that that rolled out live And that energy that you felt in there, like it was crazy. It was crazy. It was so cool uh, to be part of that live and to be part of the audience. And I, you know, it's something I'll never forget. I I haven't gone to a WWE show since uh, just because of of timing. And of course now what's going on, but it's something I'll I'll remember for forever. And you know, Arizona doesn't get a lot of those big types of shows, so Mm -hmm. the fact that it happened, it really was a reminder, like, hey, sometimes you just got to go for it. Don't matter, you know, what you got to do to get there. You just go for it, and I definitely uh, don't don't regret it at all. Loved it.
0: it. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Um, I'm still missing out to Royal Rumbles. uh, I've been to a Survivor Series, though, but I'm pretty sure... The Royal Rumble is something to be at. You know, I would love to see that uh that Royal Rumble match live. So I knew that was cool. But um uh we gonna move on. How did you become an announcer um, slash interviewer? And also, how long have you been in the wrestling, you know, scene or business? If I may say.
1: Uh, So I got my start when I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, There was a local promotion there called Destiny Wrestling Organization, DWO. And it's um, kind of funny because I heard about them um, through like flyers around town. And at that point, I'd actually never gone to an independent wrestling show. Um, I didn't really know much about independent wrestling. I really just whatever I saw on TV, I knew it existed, but I had never gone. Mm -hmm. So I finally went to a DWO show i want to say late 2016 and you know I thought it was great it was a totally different side of, of pro wrestling you know we're so used to seeing what what's on tv when you go to big events um, i would never been to something like an independent wrestling show so I loved it and I started following them on social media and um, they had posted that they were looking for interns they were looking for you know people to help out and I had kind of thought about you know do I do it? I I never thought about actually being part of a wrestling promotion. I always was just on that fan side and uh, a few months after that they had a booth at a local comic-con and they were you know uh, promoting their upcoming show and I went up to the booth to the wrestlers who were there just to introduce myself and to just say how much I really liked their promotion and the show that I want to and they said hey they brought up the internship thing hey if you want to be an intern i said oh, man I, I i can't not do it now so uh i signed up to work with them and they put me at first as a backstage interviewer so i did that for a few months And then eventually they said the plan was to always put me as a ring announcer. So after a few months of learning the uh, the ropes on backstage interviewing, I finally got my shot to be in the middle of the ring and announce some matches. And that really was what hooked me. I I do like both. There's definitely, I I wish I could do both. There was a very short amount of time where I was lucky that I Mm -hmm. could do a little bit of both in a show uh, because I was splitting ring announcing duties with the primary ring announcer. They did a wonderful job of just like, getting me in slowly they you know some people just are it's thrusted upon them you go ahead and you do it and i've heard a lot of stories about that i was really fortunate where they eased me into it so i had some time to learn and to kind of get a rhythm for things um and i loved doing both i love the interaction of uh, interviewing someone in the back and coming up with ideas of just how to you know portray what you want to portray uh in, in how you wanna convey a message of a wrestler, uh, of their appearance, of what they're wanting to, to convey about their character. And the same thing goes for announcing, um, It's just in slightly different ways. I always view myself as kind of like a foil. Like, However I can be a reflection of the promotion or a reflection of what's about to come in the ring, I'm happy to do that. So whether it's with you know someone who's a hero and you know trying to help uh, present them in the best light possible, or maybe someone who's you know maybe a, a bad guy or a heel, and if there's things that I can do to help project that that guy's a jerk or that girl's a jerk, mm-hmm. I've always loved that aspect of it. But that all started back in in 2017. So uh, almost three full years now of doing that. And uh, in uh, 2018, I moved uh, to Arizona and started to work with the promotions out here, continuing with ring announcing and also interviewing. So I would say the majority of the work I've been doing is uh, announcing. Uh, but uh, I still do interviewing here and there. And uh, one of the promotions that's very dear to me, IZW, Impact Zone Wrestling, um, that is a promotion I do uh, a lot of interviewing for, um, both during the show and after. And that's a very cool experience as well. I don't typically do done um, in-ring interviews live during a show. So IZW's been great where I can combine some of the best of both worlds.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, you say you like doing both of them, both uh, being a ring announcer and a backstage interviewer. Um, well, being a backstage interviewer, I knew you had some of the talent, you know, talk trash to you, you know, and you just sitting there just being a ring announcer or interviewer. How, how was that, how that, you know, turned out to
1: be? Yeah. So I've had my fair share. Uh, back in Al- in Albuquerque at Destiny Wrestling, I had more kind of some skills. Scary instances. There was, uh, uh, there was a, um, but wrestler in particular named Johnny Kay, who was very much a, just kind of a deranged person. He was part of a group called the Death Rage Cartel. If that gives you any indication as to uh. you know that level of psycho. And day one, one of the very first interviews I did, he creeped me out, you know, as far as just the persona and, but you know what, people loved it. And so it was always a theme. Like anytime you step near me, I would recoil because I, you know, and and it was like he had a lasered focus on me and always knew how to push my buttons um, as far as, you know, how to creep me out. So that was uh, I've had a lot of like creep out moments. There's definitely some strong characters in this business whose point is to intimidate, to to add some fear in you and anybody. Um, And I've also, you know, had a few uh, fun instances of, you know, people teasing me, people, you know, me being a part of the joke. Like, uh, I always will attest one of my favorite people to interview is Gino Rivera. Uh, He's from, you know, out here in the West Coast. Uh, Lots of people have seen him in championship wrestling from Hollywood and championship wrestling from Arizona. And the guy himself has the ability to cut a promo like nobody else, but he has also pushed my buttons. Uh, to the point where I've wanted to just slap him, uh, which means he does his job. But yeah. uh, he is someone who is who is ready to look at me and be like, you know, I, you're just here to, to hold the microphone for me. Don't even ask me a question. I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to take over. And he truly does. So there's definitely personalities where they truly take over a conversation. Um, but also another one that uh, at IZW that literally... I was just kind of entranced was R3. He has this level of intimidation as well, Um, but it's not crazy or psychotic. It's just, you literally can look into his eyes and you can feel the intensity. And I did that and I literally just got lost in you know his presence because he's just that big of a character and a big power source of, of you know not only just in in the ring but outside of the ring too you, you just are drawn to him so yeah there's definitely been a lot of those times and situations and again I just always love being a way to help convey whatever message they want to convey um, and, and help tell that story
0: okay that sounds cool I was always a big fan um, of the uh, ring announcers um, in pro wrestling. But um, I want to ask you a question, two-part question. Um, have you been a lifetime fan? And also, who um, were, who was your favorite ring announcer growing up into the wrestling business?
1: So I, I have been uh, a fan ever since I was about 10 years old, which got, you know, people want to do the math, go ahead, but I'm not going to say, you know, how old I am out loud. But uh, I grew up watching wrestling in the late 90s. So I was in that time of, you know, the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era and, you know, all, everything that really was a boom period for wrestling in the late 90s and into the early 2000s. And so I, Mondays were the most exciting time for me, you know, as kids, most people were like, why, why are you so excited about Mondays? For me, it's like, because I get to watch Nitro, I get to watch Raw. And, um, you know, the stories just enthralled me. I think that kind of also influenced my perspective as a wrestling Fan, I was always more drawn to what was happening with characters and yeah. stories that were drawn. I mean, Austin and McMahon was one of the most, I think, well-told stories. Um, and, and there was, of course, some craziness happening, you know, all the things that The Undertaker was doing, the, you know, the NWO and Eric Bischoff, you uh, you know, there were so many things happening that I just, it was hard for me to, to stay glued to one show because everything going back and forth, like I just, I just really loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as ring announcing and, and really knowing more about a lot of characters or the roles outside of the ring, actually the very first non-wrestling person or person that I really was drawn to was in commentary, Jim Ross. Like, I just loved the way that he was able to convey what was happening in the ring and his passion and his energy. You know, that just hooked me. I just clearly remember feeling things that I didn't think I would feel about a match or a person because of the way JR described things. And yeah. so for me, he was the first non-wrestling person that I ever really like admired. But as far as ring announcers, I mean, Lillian Garcia, Mm -hmm. is the reason why I ever felt like I could do this, you know, and I know she was a little bit later on in the 2000s, but I mean, her presence in the ring was both elegant and beautiful, but strong, you know, she had that singer's voice. So, you know, wasn't like, you could just tell that not only she enjoyed what she did, but the voice and the projection of, you know, how she announced people was just full of energy and happiness. Um, and so I literally wouldn't have even thought twice about it if it wasn't for Lillian Garcia. And even more recently, um, as I started to kind of learn about more influences, um, uh, Melissa Santos became a big one because of her work in Lucha Underground. Like if I had, I had many a promoter, you know, kind of lean me towards that direction as far as someone to, to look at and study. And I absolutely see why, because she has a little bit more grittiness in her voice that really was, is so cool, you know, and, and Shaul Guerrero has the same as well. Um, so those have been kind of more recent people that I've been studying and trying to learn from, because they're more of this newer uh not generation, but just like this newer side of ring announcing, when you know being you know regal and 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 uh having a strong voice is one thing, but sometimes you want to have an edge, and I think that's what both uh both of those announcers uh bring with them.
0: Okay, that's good. Good. Um, I've been a fan since the late 90s. Um, I grew up throughout the attitude era. Uh, what's going on right now between WWE and AEW is kind of a first for me i flick back and forth to wcw but i've never really watched wcw growing up i heard of all the characters and um the superstars there but i was mainly monday nights I had to be in front of the tv you know um i still love it to this day yeah. so monday night mondays is my favorite day of the week everybody say, thank gosh it's friday no thank <laughs> god it's monday yeah. so you get to watch some wrestling but um Yeah, uh, like you said, Stone Cold. And and ain't that your favorite wrestler, Stone Cold?
1: I would have to say so, yes. Like, I think from as a kid to even now, if I look in my closet, I have like five Stone Cold shirts, you know? And these are like shirts that I've gotten since I've been an adult and when I was a kid absolutely too like I had out of all the wrestlers out there I had multiple Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts and I think for me it was you know how badass that he was how he lived by his own code he did whatever he wanted to um but even then like he was just such this uh lone lone wolf type of persona you know um yeah and, and and just in the best ways. Like he just did whatever he wanted, um, and and it kind of for him everything, all of that made made sense, and it was just so cool to be able to see someone like that, and you know, just like feel everything that they do in the ring, you know, every stunner, um, and and especially the people who sold the stunners, you know, I oh. love those big extravagant cells for the stunner. Those are always mm-hmm. going to be my favorite. Um, but he did whatever he wanted to, and he ruled the place. And I just, for me, as a kid, like, I was so drawn to that. But I also really loved D-Generation X. I specifically remember the night after WrestleMania 14 when they reformed DX with X-Pac and the New Age Outlaws. Like that was my favorite iteration of DX. And again, the way that they just took over Monday Night Raw and their presence and the hilarity. And and yeah, it was kind of silly and stupid, but I loved that and I and Mm -hmm. everything they did got their Mm -hmm. message across and and sometimes some people do that with, you know, kicking ass and some people do that with with humor, you know, and uh, and fans are like both, I think.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, But back to uh, the Stone Cold uh, real quick, Um, the Stunners. Uh, especially the people who sold the uh, Stone Cold Stunners were awesome. Um, I'll never forget uh, WrestleMania 18, Scott Hall took the Stone Cold Stunner. It was one of the most funniest stunners ever. But also, of course, you're the big fan of Stone Cold, I was the opposite of The Rock, diehard mm-hmm. fan of yeah. The Rock. And their rivalry was just everything. And um, if I had a video of when The Rock returned, to uh, Monday Night Raw back in 2011, I probably would have went viral. I probably would have went viral, because I cried, I broke down, like I just, he hadn't been there in so mm-hmm. long. And they were like, okay, this the guest host of WrestleMania. And they were teasing it like it's gonna be Bob Barker or somebody, you know? Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah. Who is it gonna be? Who is it gonna be? Just like the first time, you know, a guest of WrestleMania. And uh, I didn't catch on to it. Looking back at it now, and when you see the whole electricity going through the whole Titan Tron, you didn't you you threw my mind off. Yeah. And the first yep, yep. i get chills thinking about it right now it's just it's so cool but yeah the rock was my um favorite wrestler and the rivalry between stone cold and the rock was just completely awesome i loved it every every bit of it every bit of it but dx also was um everybody's favorite i don't i don't know anyone who did not like dx and every you know suck it and all that you know awesome
1: <laughs> it was awesome, yeah. And and you write about the rock, like he is one that definitely out of when I was a kid, all my shirts were Stone Cold, except I had like two Rock T shirts because he I he was also one like talking about a character that drew you to the screen. I mean that's him. Times infinity, you know, I mean, I even the evolution of, of him, you know, from starting off as, you know, Rocky via and then joining the nation and, and then just his persona growing each and every show, you know, like that is that that the, the amount of growth that he had in such a short a period of time um, was I mean, phenomenal, I mean, mm-hmm. and to this day, you're right, I mean, the fact that even in 2011, after he was one of the biggest movie stars in the whole world, to still come back to pro wrestling, you know, like that, for fans is very special, because we often have wrestlers who kind of leave and don't come back,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and and for The Rock to kind of still have that presence and that acknowledgement of how much pro wrestling was impactful in his career, um, I think as wrestling fans, kind of gives us some validation that like, you know, this is a worthwhile form of entertainment and you want proof? You have one of the biggest movie stars in the entire world who's thinking his pro wrestling career to getting him to where he is today.
0: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, also, before I move on, um, favorite ring announcer of all time. Um, it's hard to choose for me Uh, But Lydian Garcia was also great. Uh, Howard Finkel, he he just knew it was a pay-per-view when you heard Howard Finkel, and um, the for I say in the last ten years, Justin Roberts. It's just the way he introduced them and. You know, it's just like he's over the top a little bit, but, you he know. He is.
1: So. <laughs> I love, so, you know, he did this with John Cena, and now it's, he's yeah, moved on to John Moxley, yeah. the way this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I've actually had the pleasure of talking to him several times, and he's always been so nice, and one thing he's just, I asked him, like, you know, how did you figure out your voice mm-hmm. and you mentioned how for him he used to listen and kind of adopt a lot of what Howard Finkel did and then through that you know he kind of evolved and found what works for him he studied his work he made adjustments and that is truly a sign of what I think all that hard effort and work has helped him to get to right now and so he is that example of, you know, doing you, you know, finding what works for you. And even in the way, you know, his, the way when he introduced uh, Rey Mysterio with the really long R's and, and he learned that because that was something that he wanted to do. Like, like I said, it, it's been very fortunate to, to have had those instances with him where he's just shared what's worked for him and, no, and then seeing that on TV is so cool because he's done it his own way and, you know, being able to see him on AEW and, you know, it seems like it's such a good fit for him as well. You know, just that company being able to have, you know, he could, is really truly like this generation's Howard Finkel, you know, when you think about it, um, a lot of people are going to look back at him and the way that he announced and those little things that he did as, you know, what inspired them in, in ring announcing. So you're absolutely right about that
0: yeah uh my favorite part I think of hearing um Justin Roberts ring out in Aew right now is uh from a location where you need an invitation for the private <laughs> party, you know where uh, they were in 24 ounces of cranberry vodka, like, oh man, it don't get no better than that though. <laughs> but um you guys, uh, I got my guest here, Miranda here on the 1130 podcast, Talk Pro Wrestling. We have not fun, you guys. Uh, we're gonna take a quick short break and we'll be right back with more Talk Pro Wrestling, you guys.
2: When it comes to growing your podcast, it's tough to know where to start. That's why Anchor gives podcasters the tools they need to make each episode better than the last. Now, Anchor Analytics includes new stats from Spotify to help you better understand who's listening and what they like about your show. With charts that let you see how far people are making it into each episode and where they're dropping off, you can plan your podcast around the content that performs best. Hover over to see how many people are tuning into specific segments and learn what hooks your audience by comparing the average listening time across multiple episodes. Using anonymized demographic data from Spotify, take a granular look at the age and gender of your listeners to start tailoring your content or targeting new audiences. Track analytics from multiple platforms and Spotify insights. Everything you need to grow your podcast all in one place with Anchor.
0: Yo, you guys, before we dive right back into the episode, I want to tell you about listener support. Yo, you guys, listener support helps me out big time with my podcast. It helps me set up equipment, helps me get guests. You feel me? Like, time is money. So you guys, click the link in the description, you guys. Click the link in the description. Yes, you can support this podcast with a small, small monthly subscription. Yes, $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. I appreciate it so, so much, for real, that it helped me out. Listener support, you guys. Click the link in the description. It helps me keep making these podcasts, you guys, just for you. Yo, you guys, welcome back here to the 1130 Podcast, Talk Pro Wrestling. Uh, I'm glad you guys are joining me here on a new episode you guys we are having fun here on talk pro wrestling this week i have my first female guest here on talk pro wrestling you guys miranda morales we are having fun it's an awesome show we are we're digging all into it talking to some old school wrestling and things we just love about wrestling well um Right now in wrestling, Uh, it's a crazy time right now with the whole pandemic and everything. Um, Well, what's your thoughts on the whole wrestling scene right now that's going on? You know, even though we are experiencing wrestling with no fans I just you know what's your thoughts on it
1: yeah that's a good question because uh I think I see it in a few different levels of course as a fan of larger uh promotions like WWE and AEW it's definitely been different to see uh them do empty arenas you know uh the, the last exposure I really had to empty arenas, I mean, going back to, to some old school, uh, was the empty arena match between The Rock and Mankind, Halftime Heat. You know, and that was the first and last time we really had that. And now it became a pretty regular thing throughout this year. Um, And it worked for a while, but eventually that kind of got stale. So for uh, both promotions, I mean, really, AEW started it with having the talent come out and serve as the audience. And then, you know, WWE followed. And, and that felt like a little bit you know, back to normal. Um, but I think WWE blew the roof off with this Thunderdome concept. Um, to have fans interact in a digital manner, I kind of think it's going to be part of the future. Um, because it's going to be a big challenge for anyone, anyone in entertainment, whether it's uh, you know, wrestling, concerts, other uh, sporting events, um, where you're going to have to run at at limited capacity. And so having a virtual uh, fan engagement is gonna probably be the wave of the future. And so I I commend uh, WWE for looking in that direction um, for that. Uh, I also do like how AEW is working towards bringing fans back in at a limited capacity. And that kind of relates back to what's happening on the independent level. Um, I have some experience with that. I mean, in Arizona, no promotions have ran at all since uh march so um some of that is is because of the guidelines that the state of arizona put i mean a lot of people know arizona had a pretty high amount of COVID cases for quite a while and Mm -hmm. so it felt like there was just you couldn't even think about putting a show together Um, so i think for the majority of arizona wrestling is probably gonna be put on pause uh for the rest of this year however there's some things in in the works i know um that there is likely going to be a return of one of the promotions I work for, ICW, um, later this year. But even in that, it's thinking about what is that setup going to look like. Um, I think again, limited capacity of people that could could physically be there. Um, social distance measure me- uh, measures as far as uh, putting seats and chairs um, in in. Um, Uh, having them uh, a certain amount of distance. Um, Sanitation, you know, making sure you're wiping down things after you use them. So there's this whole other level of caution now that on the independent level, promotions need to focus and worry about. Um, And that in some ways it's this counterbalance of, well, now you have less people, but you have more added cost. Um, So how is that going to work? Um, And even seeing what's happening uh, in other countries, like in Mexico, um, during Lucha Central Weekly, every week we talk about what's happening with uh, shows in Mexico, because Mexico has a very different approach to how they're handling the coronavirus, which means they're putting different rules in place on uh, live events. And even the promotions there are handling things very differently. So that's also been very uh, interesting to view on an international level, how this uh how what countries are doing and and how they're observing this is impacting wrestling I I do think that wrestling has changed forever with this you know Mm -hmm. we never thought we would see an empty arena Wrestlemania and we did You know, so if if that could happen, anything could happen. Um, But I think there's a a higher level of responsibility um, in general that promotions need to have. And most of them, I think, do. There's a lot of them that, like, for example, uh, you know, MLW um, just announced that they're going to be restarting. They were one of the few, you know, larger Mm -hmm. promotions that said, we're going to not run until we have a handle on this. And, you know, that did lose out on time, on shows that they had already scheduled, Um, but, you know, now they're coming back and they've been able to see what other promotions are doing, what has been happening, what's worked, and they can go in, I think, a lot more confidently about the protective measures. Same thing with Ring of Honor. You know, it's kind of this back and forth of do you risk the health and welfare of, of the wrestlers or do you keep on going and build momentum when now wrestling is very limited and we've seen you know companies trying to do uh, both or some but you know it this has really changed wrestling forever and i think overall companies now have to be more mindful about the safety of their performers and of, of their audience and their fans and what does that mean likely putting more digital content out there right now um, but eventually too, that's going to get boring. People are going to want to be in front of, you know, an arena again. So, you know, I think everyone's having their challenges as to figuring out long-term plans because it's so hard to plan long-term, uh, right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Right about that. Um, like you were saying, this may be the future with this whole Thunderdome. Um, uh, the past couple of weeks, I've been missing out to try to get in. Uh, well, this week I got an email. I don't really know how it all works and stuff but i hear that they rotate people every 15 minutes or so but i got a strange call in time but when on on here on the east coast smackdown starts at 8 p.m so i got the call time at eight forty-five p.m so not too sure about that but um you you really like the thunderdome i say i, I
1: definitely the concept. I've also had issues. I've tried twice now to get in. I had a call time right when the show was starting, and both times I could not get in. That's so weird. there is a level of frustration. Like that yeah. is something they really do have to address because yeah. um, it sounds like it's like in a lot of things where first off they don't really advertise fairly well as to when registration with yeah. Thunderdome opens, and then even when that happens and you get that you know confirmation that you're in, it doesn't necessarily mean you're in. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just means that now you've got moved to this smaller pool of people but if you know you're not on it right away then you may not have the chance to to actually be a part of it so there's some quirks with that that i think for fans can be pretty frustrating and you know um so I, I like the concept. I still don't know what it's like from that viewer's perspective. So you are definitely mm-hmm. gonna have to let me know what that's like because oh. I'm really interested in knowing what it's like, you know, viewing it and participating in the actual Thunderdome. But, yeah. you know, I think the the visuals of it are, are very interesting now, too, with yep. the entrances. That whole kind of 360 uh, environment with the screens, mm-hmm. I think, is really cool. Um, and again, it's it's another way to engage fans, and yeah. that's ultimately what it's going to be. One of the biggest hurdles from now on is, you know, how do you get fans um, involved? Well, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and in what's happening outside of just you know, social media, you know, wrestling Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Like, how do you get them involved in real time?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um. My favorite part of it is the visual and. Thank God the Powerols are back. That's like my favorite part of it. I love it. Like I just I marked out when they uh, it was a Friday Night SmackDown when they debuted at the Thunder Dome, and it was just so cool the whole concept of the Thunder and then the Paros. But I couldn't wait till Monday Night Raw to see Raw's Powerols also. So that's my favorite uh, concept and of it. But um, we seen the WWE Payback this past Sunday in the dump in the Thunder Dome, and also we seen Roman Reigns in a triple threat match for the Universal Championship. Um, I think it was very, very weird um, triple threat match, but uh, Roman Reigns is the new Universal Champion, but he has a side piece now, I guess.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> analogy I want to take that as a side piece.
0: <laughs> as of, uh, Paul Heyman, um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, your Yeah,
1: I have to admit, I was shocked. So when they first introduced Paul Heyman as uh, Roman's manager, advocate, you know, as he will likely call it, <laughs> um, I was shocked because as soon as Roman said, you know, that's not a, a a prediction, that's a spoiler alert. I'm like, why is he saying the you know Paul yeah. And Paul Heyman there, I was shocked. I was shocked uh, <laughs> because you know. Roman has really prided himself in doing everything on his own, getting to where he's at on his own, and to now have this advocate there and Paul Heyman, and being notorious for not necessarily, you know, playing by the rules. Um, I I was shocked, but it did cement that this is a whole new Roman Reigns that we're dealing with. I think that. Um, there was, you know, some speculation and I think opinions about which, you know, who is this Roman version of Roman Reigns we getting when he uh, came at the end of SummerSlam. But, you know, aligning himself with Paul Heyman is absolutely confirmed. this is a Roman we've never seen before, and I like that. I really wanted for a long time to figure out who Roman Reigns was. I remember having conversations uh, with with my other friends about, you know, I didn't hate Roman Reigns. I just didn't know who he was. I felt like after The Shield broke up, at least um, Seth um, and um, Dean Ambrose had distinctive personalities. And I could tell who they were and what their motivations were. And I couldn't quite figure that out with Roman. And so that kind of made, made me a little bit more disengaged. But now I feel like, you could really tell he is more driven to become, and of course he did become, uh, the universal champion. And by any means necessary, not you know, be, and not even addressing that there was a line, going straight to the top um, and doing it by any means. And so that I like. I like him to be a little bit more ruthless. Not because I feel like he needs to be in some ways, but that I can get a better sense of who he is. Um, And every wrestling persona is an evolution, you know? I mean, no one starts the same person they are on day one to to where they are now, but I have a better sense of, you know, at least who they want Roman to be and who they want Roman to be for the the fans. Um, And that was what, as fans, we wanted, you know? I I could see a fan base now saying, oh, well, I don't like Roman. Well, one, Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of the point, but two, you know, him being a face too didn't help because you didn't like nope. him then either. So yeah. at least now you have a reason not to like him and it makes sense. And exactly. ultimately what happens when, when someone's a heel? Eventually the fans turn and say, I like you now. So, you know, maybe that was yeah. part of the, the goal with them, but I like this alliance. I know it may not even be necessary for Paul to advocate for him because he's Roman Reigns. He, you know, he yeah. truly has done whatever he wants, but to maybe have a, a mouthpiece to help convey who this new version of Roman Reigns is and let Roman just be Roman. Kick ass, you know, take names, do do all of that and 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 Paul be more of that business side, that mouthpiece. That could be a, a really great combination. So I, I'm definitely interested in this new version of Roman Reigns to the point where I'm definitely watching, keeping my eyes on, on him.
2: Yeah,
0: me too, me too. Um, this was unexpected. I was very, very shocked. Um, just like you said, when I, uh, it's not a prediction, it's a spoiler, and I went, "Oh, wait a minute, okay." <laughs> yeah. And they showed Paul Heyman. I just, I freaked out, and that reminded me of CM Punk when uh, it was the main event of Monday Night Raw was Alberto Del versus John Cena, and I believe it was in Chicago also, and CM Punk was in the car, John Cena was laid out on the floor and rolling by, uh, was Paul Heyman in the driver's seat, and they showed the alliance that CM Punk and Paul Heyman did, but this was cool. They needed something really, really big. Besides the whole retribution thing, I think uh, Roman Reigns coming back as a heel is really, really good to see how you know it's going to turn out and stuff. So he wrecked everything and walked out with the Universal Championship. So...
1: Hey, and and even the strategy that, again, that seems like a Paul Heyman strategy. Don't sign the contract and don't get into the match until the right opportunity. I mean, that is very much a Paul Heyman move that we would have never seen the old Roman Reigns do. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen also what, I mean, why not? Because he's also seen what happens when other people break the rules. I mean, Seth Rollins in WrestleMania 31, you know, like he he lost his opportunity for the, the championship because Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank at a triple threat match. So if anything, I think as as far as maybe some motivation or reasoning behind this is why follow the rules? Why do all the right things when it leads you nowhere? Because that's what happened to Roman. You know, now that he has a a advocate that can be more strategic in, in business matters and help him get to, you know, the championship in the fastest route possible, which he did. You know, you know, why go back to, you know, doing things the right way, the right way, quote unquote, you know, or the honorable way Mm
0: -hmm. when
1: doing things in a cheating manner gets you to your goal a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, we have seen that. (laughs) Um, We're going to move on here on the 1130 podcast. Uh, Sasha and Bailey. Um, I really want to know what's going on with this storyline because, I'm waiting for them to turn on one another but I feel as though they are milking it and really really milking it like really slowly though. Um you get Bailey looking at Sasha one way Sasha looking at Bailey Bailey putting Sasha in a match Sasha putting Bailey in a match but Bailey's just like okay well as long as I don't lose my championship it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. So <laughs> I love I love it all like they just been the whole forefront of this pandemic in WWE basically you know they've been the stars so um, and you also telling me that uh, Sasha and Bailey are one of your two favorites right now in the story that they have
1: I actually talked about it uh, on my podcast this week uh, because it's a story that I've really wanted to explore more. And I've been a Bailey fan for a long time, actually, since her NXT run. Um, I've loved the babyface persona. I loved, you know, just this happy-go-lucky, happy-to-be-here type of persona. And the story that they told in NXT uh, on her way towards the NXT Women's Championship, that road to redemption, leading to her match with Sasha Banks at Brooklyn, was one of my favorite stories and it was so simple but yet told so beautifully so i've been a bailey fan for a, a long time now and i was shocked when she turned heel um i didn't expect that to happen and mm-hmm. i mean we were just talking about evolution needing to happen i agree that every wrestling persona and character should play around with that concept in their career you know no one should stay that stagnant for that long uh, even one of the most famous uh, examples of that is Hulk Hogan. You know, he was a babyface for the majority of his career. However, I think his turn, his run as Hollywood Hogan helped his career grow up by another 10 years in a way that staying uh, face would have not allowed him to do. Mm-hmm. So I think even for the, the just to, to keep your career going, you need to continuously play with those dynamics. Yeah. But I wasn't a big fan of it at first, her turn, because I didn't quite get it. Yeah. And at that point too, we still had fans in the audience and, and they didn't quite get it. So things really started to click. I think once when her and Sasha started to team up, because Sasha is a fantastic heel. And really seeing this alliance um, now more from a heel perspective than a babyface perspective, uh, I thought made both of them look fantastic. And then that's when I started to get, okay, now I get why Bailey is a heel and, and this is starting to click and make it work. But you made a very good point earlier about now Bailey's focus is really being on her SmackDown Women's Championship. And so she's looking a little bit more like the the heel in this scenario where Sasha may come up as the face. And that's a dynamic I don't think anybody in the world would have thought we uh, were no. going to see. We probably always thought that we were going to see a, a face yep. Bailey and mm-hmm. a heel Sasha because that's what they've done. And that's what's worked. But, you know, to see a lot of what Sasha's putting into this friendship all the time, she's helped uh, Bailey, uh, you know, uh, retain her championship, you know, all the time, everything that she done. And Bailey did help Sasha out too. I mean, Bailey was the reason that Sasha was even as close to the Raw Women's Championship as she, she got. Exactly. I mean, she put on a ref shirt and, and counted the three at, at the horror show. Exactly. So, uh, and,
0: know, and she went backstage to distract mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Kyrie Oscar, Sane. Kyrie Sane. Kyrie yeah. Sane, to, so she can win the Raw Women's Championship that night.
1: Yeah, so they've had that, you know, they're a team and they're united, but there's also been digs. One of my favorite digs, and it's becoming a little bit more obvious now, was the SmackDown before Payback, or it was the Raw before Payback, I believe, Um, either one, No, I think it was SmackDown, Uh, where uh, Sasha and Bayley were in the ring cutting a promo and um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler were in the back and they were cutting one from the back and you know replying back to Sasha and Bailey and uh, in Sasha's response she said you know she that they were going to win and she said I'm gonna I'm gonna get my vengeance but instead of looking directly at Naya and Shayna, she turned and said that to Bailey so there's little things that's happening especially I think Sasha's communication now where you're starting to see she is getting more upset with Bailey that now you know she, Sasha has no titles, um, and and she's put in all this effort to help Bailey, and maybe she doesn't feel like that's been reciprocated with Bailey at all. And Bailey, you know, she's just kind of very egotistical now. She's this egotistical longest yeah. reigning SmackDown Women's Champion. You know, Sasha's my best friend, but this is my title and, you know, I know you don't have any titles anymore, but, you know, I'm still champion. So isn't Mm -hmm. that still a good thing? So there's lots of layers to this, I think. And and they're really dragging it out. But I think that the current situation has allowed them to drag it out. And Mm -hmm. I think if this was in front of a live audience, we wouldn't have had that patience.
0: But I do think
1: in the end, it's going to build to a better story with Mm -hmm. them because there is so much history and layers between them that i think they're going to i mean once we finally get them in the ring one-on-one it's i mean it's going to be electric it's going to be definitely shades of brooklyn plus things that we've never seen before because i at that point i truly believe that dynamic is going to be flipped and sasha's going to be the face going into this
0: yeah uh because but also bailey said something this past monday she said it backstage before they came out to the ring and bailey said uh well some people um just don't have it in them to be champion all they could be is a tag team champion so she said that too and Sasha just looking like okay she's trying yeah she's really okay. she's really yeah. trying so uh yeah I'm, and also I'm glad that Bailey switched it up I didn't get it at first I was kind of shocked um the haircut was new yes. but um yeah she had to switch it up just like the Undertaker said in his in his documentary um if he went the whole dead man character throughout the Attitude Era, it wouldn't have worked. So him changing up to American Badass, and, you know, gotta just evolve, right. you know. So um, that's cool. Um, we're going to move on here on the 1130 podcast before we wrap it up. Um, check out NXT this past week.
1: I've been able to watch some of NXT. I uh, watched the street fight uh, between Legado de Fantasma um, and uh, Breezango and Isaiah Swerve Scott. That definitely is something we we talk a lot about, uh, Legado de Fantasma, on uh, the Lucha Central Weekly podcast because, I mean, that whole concept is just lucha 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 uh, yeah. having santos escobar um change his persona from hijo de fantasma to santos was a very big deal mm-hmm. um and legado de fantasma i think uh our group really and me especially, feels like it's one of the best representations of lucha libre in American television right now. WWE has not always been the greatest when it comes to uh, lucha representation as far as it being taken seriously. It's been more comical, um, it's, it's been more of uh, kind of a stereotype, really. But I think Legado de Fantasma has really, uh, really showcased you know, what their goal is um, in putting a, a level of respect, wanting to have Lucha Libre uh, as a form of wrestling that is respected in the American audience, but also evolving away from the masks, away mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, its its history and creating their own history. And so I really love that. So anytime they're on NXT, I uh, watch them. Um, and, and then segments of the uh, Iron Man match, of course. Like that, of course, I haven't watched the whole thing through yet, but uh, my goal is to do that very soon because I know how it ended. I just don't know how we got there.
0: Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. That's why I asked. But um, uh, Santos Escobar, um, I really love his name, the way he changed it up. I thought that was just a badass name. Um, before then, I was like, who's this guy? Like, he beat um Drake Maverick in the cruiserweight tournament. And I was like, the whole story behind the Drake Maverick thing and how he got sort of re-signed back, or Triple H came out there and re-signed him. I thought that was cool. But, you know, I didn't expect them to lose, but I didn't expect Triple H to come out there to sign them either. But that was a cool story in itself. But Santos, once he's changed his name to Santos, I was like, okay, I'm digging him. You know, I didn't understand the championship win. But, um, hey, uh, and then the story leading up to this where he was taking Ryan Mendoza, uh, uh, uh the other dude, Quine Wilder, Wilder dude. Yeah, Joaquin. Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin Wild, And they were putting him in the back of uh, the vans and stuff. And now they, you know, are a faction. It's pretty cool, though. But I didn't understand him at first, though. But I definitely like Santos yeah. Escobar uh, now because he's a badass. And he's the Cruiserweight champion. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Also, um, what's your thoughts on Retribution? Oh, man. Yeah,
1: uh, that's a loaded question because I, you know, I was originally interested in them, um, but I feel like there was a certain point in which they got to, you know, take this plunge and move to uh, through a new chapter of, of retribution. Get, you know, give us some signs as to who they are, what this is all about, what they're doing, uh, or stop. And I feel like uh, the fact that you know, they were made up to be this big deal and, and cause mayhem and destruction, but it was so selective to the point that that didn't quite make sense as to when they made their targeted efforts. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that we didn't really see them. Um, we saw them at the, during the premiere of the Thunderdome, and that is when I thought they were going to take it to the next level, like maybe hijack the Thunderdome or hack into the Thunderdome and kind of do more of an, a digital assault. Um, but they just... Are more of a physical group, Um, but ever since then, I felt like everything that they've done after that, like to me, I've just lost interest in them because I, I, I don't know, I don't know who they are, I don't know what, why they're doing, and so the fact that they continue to do the same things and they're not evolving in any way in uh, their approach to this, like. I, I just, you know, I'm literally seeing the same thing over and over again. So it's yeah. not keeping me interested at all. And we didn't even see them during SummerSlam. We, you know, like in big moments too, where we would have thought that we would see them somehow interfere, we haven't. So yeah. I, I was interested at first, but now I'm, I really like, I don't, I won't care until I know, you know, who's behind those masks and, and why they're doing it. But even then, and once they start explaining, like, for me, it's hard to even understand why are they doing this? You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, the, the fact that they dragged this on as long as they have, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll have a good enough explanation where I think, okay, that makes sense why we waited two months. But right now, I can't think of, of something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I said uh, on the podcast last week with my guests, um, it was a rumor, but I, I, I just went with it. Uh, maybe CM Punk, uh, the leader behind it or so. The only reason I would choose CM Punk is because WWE needs something, you know, like right now. Uh, With the whole fans and the ratings are down and certain people watching certain stuff, I think they need something, you know, somebody that's going to be captivating. In a way, I can think it's Roman Reigns because he didn't show up. I mean, the uh, Retribution didn't show up at SummerSlam, but I'm not just saying, you know, all of my Roman Reigns, but, uh, you know, he's the leader, but I don't know. I really don't know.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I could see why the theories I I've, I've heard about the CM Punk theory and why it would make sense because if this group is all about destroying the structure of WWE, you know, what better way to have that leader than be CM Punk because we've seen it all over the headlines, you know. There feels like a personal vendetta between CM Punk and WWE and all of the stories that came out um after he was he was after he left you know Mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of deep-rooted history and so what better way to get back at WWE than to destroy you know everything that makes them what they are the ring uh, the uh, production area the wrestlers you know so and again it goes back to the reasoning so I would want to have a leader that could like fully explain why Mm -hmm. it's happening and that would again interest me however you know the fact that they've gone on this long and ultimately i, I don't think it's either i don't think it's sam punk and i don't think it's it's roman reigns so who else could it be and could they have a good enough explanation behind all of this i'm not sure um uh, like i said i i i don't think roman would need something like this uh i really like his partnership with paul Heyman, keeping that together as its own thing I also think it would be a great way to elevate some new people because there was also a lot of rumors that this is going to be comprised of some people from NXT, Mm -hmm. um, which is a great introduction to Raw uh, and or SmackDown. Um, And to have someone be the leader to take ownership of this would be a very big deal. Um, So I hope it's somebody new. I hope it's someone they could build around. Um, But again, they're going to have to do something soon or else I feel like all the effort that they put into this people's attentions are going to to drop. So evolve, do something different, change it up, give mm-hmm. us something or else all of this is going to be for nothing.
0: Yeah, right. Um, what's your thoughts on Keith Lee making his debut uh, uh, on the main roster? And not only that, defeating the Viper Randy Orton at payback in a shocking fashion, by the yeah. way.
1: I was surprised that Keith Lee lost the NXT championship. I thought uh, that they were going to I I I was very surprised about that. Yeah. I understand why, because even in hindsight, looking at everything they did for TakeOver 30, it was truly built around carrion. The mm-hmm. visuals, the music, everything was built around carrion. So I in hindsight, it's like, okay, so they were gonna go through this no matter what. Um, you know, I was I was happy to see him on Raw, though. I do feel like there's always this level of fear as a fan that whenever you have someone move from NXT to Raw or SmackDown, there's gonna be elements of them that don't either translate. And I don't know if this is the way that just the two shows work or when you're put on a bigger stage, what happens, but there's gonna be elements of that of that character of that individual who kind of it kind of gets lost. So I am glad that they started him off with a really good win over Randy Orton, one that I was shocked, um, to be honest, because it's Randy Orton, you know, he doesn't lose very often, and especially to somebody that new, but it made sense. I mean, Keith Lee is incredibly talented I mean he is someone he is agile and quick and strong in ways that a man his size shouldn't be so for I I think as far as his style and approach to wrestling is one that I think was going to be a challenge for Randy Orton to address anyways so it makes sense that they had that win but now it's also what's next you know what do they what does he do next um because now he had a, a lost against Randy on Raw so I mean now it's 50-50 and then we go back to that You know, will the wins that he get end up, you know, elevating to to the point over the losses that he gets as well? So you know, it's a little bit of a scary time. I think any anytime you have anyone move up um, from NXT uh, to um either raw or smackdown but it's also a good time because they can play around with some things without audience um, i don't want to say interference but you know sometimes crowd noise can totally change the setting and the mood of a story Mm -hmm. and um sometimes a lot of times it can be great because that pop that gets it's like magic but sometimes when you have a crowd react negatively to something or not at all Like, that could be like, wait, I thought this was going to be special or important, and the crowd just killed it. So we could play around with that a little bit now with Keith Lee without having to worry about that. Um, You know, I I think he could have spent more time in NXT, though. I do – I truly believe he had still more things to do in NXT. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's also a great thing for him to move up. I mean, time is of the essence, ultimately, and you never want to – you know pass an opportunity to get on a bigger stage and that means you know I mean his performance at the Royal Rumble this past year that means we could easily get him again um uh and even in a Wrestlemania like that is truly where I think he would shine and he would have a, a wonderful match and so I'm glad that we're getting closer to that for him um because I want to see Keith Lee at Wrestlemania.
0: I do too. I do too. Um, to what you were saying, uh, I was very disappointed when Keith Lee lost the uh, NXT championship and Karrion Cross. I, I had no problem with him winning it. The problem was the fact that the next, well, that Wednesday he came out. And he was injured, so he had to give up the belt. So I was a little, I was very furious, even though that that SummerSlam, of course, they announced that Keith Lee is going to be on Raw. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But also looking back at it, I didn't understand the fact that Keith Lee had to give up the North American title, uh, you know, just for other guys to have opportunity, which is cool. That's very, very cool, though. But why Keith Lee couldn't have just been that badass ass guy, just held mm-hmm. both titles and just go defended him. But hey, it's cool though. But um, I'm proud of Keith Lee. I think a lot of people are feeling disconnect with Keith Lee um, right now is his interesting song. It's yeah. kind of like no more. It's, you know, basking his glory, but you get generic things on after that. So yeah. I think that's the only problem I think a lot of people have about Keith Lee right now,
1: yeah, there's some changes with him obviously with his attire and his music yeah. and again to that translation to Raw or SmackDown sometimes it's a literal translation of, of you know changes with the persona or gear or music and sometimes it's a more of a figurative translation about you know how does that character fit with the realm of everybody else on that particular roster and so I think that overall he could have a really great presence on Raw but yeah there's some of those those things about you know that fans really liked about him that we don't want to lose you know and i think overall i don't think we'll lose them but change for anyone is hard to adjust to so you know the first few times that you know he comes out you know yeah it's going to be different but hopefully it you know the adjustment settles in um (laughs) And, yeah, hopefully there, there's some more concrete theme music, too, that, that that gets set into place that just is still as great as is NXT
0: music. Yeah. I feel as though they're they working on it. They're working on it. It's going to come
1: back. <laughs> I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt.
0: Yeah. Uh, with uh, AEW All Out coming up this Saturday, are you excited about it? Are you looking forward to it?
1: I am yeah I mean it's a very different feel for All Out Um, and even Double or Nothing earlier this year because of the fact that you know they're in the same scenario they're doing these in empty arenas or arenas really with no fans and so I think AEW in particular I mean that's a passionate fan base that is a fan base that when you go to a live show like that helps make the event what it is is that passionate fan base so to me it is a little different the build-up to these types of shows especially you know all out like the build-up to it has felt different um -hmm. than last year um but uh i do think that there's some really good silver linings in this there's things that are very aew that kind of just make me chuckle like orange cassidy versus chris jericho and the mimosa mayhem match like what are we doing? Like, I love dumb stuff. Like, I will be the first to admit, I love dumb storylines and dumb gimmicks. Like, that is totally fine, you know, but the fact that this is what we're getting, like, it's and the fact that it's not in front of a live like audience, like that too, makes my heart hurt for all the live fans who would have wanted to see that. But maybe they wouldn't have even been able to do that with fans. Um, but I have to admit, I mean, I, I love Orange Cassidy. I really do. I, I like just how easygoing he is, how nonchalant, Um, and, and he uses his voice sparingly, which makes it actually that much more special. You know, he does a lot of things with his body language that you don't think you could get away with in pro wrestling, because a lot of things, what you have to do is, is vocal in your promos and how you talk and communicate. Um, but him, he's, he's a rarity where his body language and his look covers most of what he needs to do. Mm. Um, and of course, Chris Jericho, I mean, being the crazy guy that he is, like, talking about evolution, I mean, I think he's evolved more than anybody in the pro wrestling business. And he's shown that that's helped, you know, add years on his career. And I've loved how Chris has just been so frustrated with, with uh, Orange Cassidy, because it's also this ideology of new school and old school in a way. Like, Orange Cassidy is this very much Generation Z type of of persona, where you're just kind of like, chill, whatever, man, like, cool. And Chris is like, I've had to work for every single thing that I've gotten, And that's why I'm successful. You've done nothing but put your hands in your pockets and you have millions (laughs) of followers. Like, I actually like that part of the story. Um, And I'm also very excited for Thunder Rosa versus Sheeta. I've been someone who has not been a fan of the AEW women's division. I've been very critical about that, because that was one of the things that I expected more out of AEW, that they came to the forefront to say they were going to do more with women's wrestling, because they knew that that's what fans wanted, and it really is the right time to do it, but they've had things out of their control. They've had injuries, they've had changes in their roster and, but I just don't think they put enough attention to it. So uh, having this buildup between Sheeta and Thunder Rosa, though, I think could have, definitely deserves more time because you have a champion versus champions match that you're not getting anywhere else in pro wrestling. And the fact that they don't seem to be putting, I mean, they're they, they, they doing great promos with it, but I wish it was getting more time on the weekly shows. And it's only been like, what, a three week buildup? Like that's insane but I think it's going to be one of the most highly anticipated matches of the entire card and I hope it gets placed well and I hope it gets you know a good time frame because you know this could be what helps turn their women's division around like this could be and granted we don't know what the long-term status is of Thunder Rosa um but if we get more of her throughout uh you know aew and this you know also opens the door for more women to come into aew and put some seriously good matches together hey then that that's going to be a huge cap a feather in in their caps because you know they do great tag team wrestling they have funny storylines you know there's there's things that aew are doing right but one of the things they absolutely should be killing and they're not is women's wrestling
0: right about that you are right about that um they've been slacking a whole lot with that um women's the wrestling division in AEW though um thunder rosa um, i was very familiar with her in nwa i started watching nwa a little like maybe i want to say around ish something and a lot of people were talking about it and it was like it was good so i tuning in and I was like, this gives me old school vibes, you know, with the studio audience. And I was really taken into a lot of the characters. Nick as the world champ. He just dressed like a world champ, act like a world champ. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, Thunder Rosa. Um, uh, man, it's just so much, so many superstars. Eddie Kingston was another one. Ricky yeah. Starks. Uh, you had the Rock and Roll Express there. Um, I'm trying to think of my man name because uh, he always said, yeah. <laughs> you know, what I'm thinking about Drake. 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 Was it? Uh, is it oh, like, Eli Drake. Drake. Yes. Eli Drake. Yes. Eli Drake. Yes. yes. Eli Drake That's that's yeah. That's one of my favorite. Yeah. Wow.
1: I I was actually very fortunate to go to the second taping of NWA Power last uh, September. Um, and that was something I never thought I was going to be able to do. I was in uh, Atlanta visiting family, and when I heard that they were doing the tapings, I was like, I have to go. I, I never thought this West Coast girl would ever end up uh, going to an NWA show, but seeing that whole setup live was fantastic. Uh, the structure of it, I mean, very much built for TV. And I don't think anyone at that time knew how much it was going to blow up, but it it really did because it showed, it was this blend of old school, traditional television wrestling, but with new characters and new people and yeah thunder rosa when she she came the the taping i went to she just made a brief appearance but out here on the west coast i mean she's very well known i mean she's wrestled all all over the west coast all over the world and um to just have her on that big of a stage for aew i think is incredibly well deserved and it's just again new talent that you know some people in the independency may have known but now she's gonna have you know a worldwide audience on her and someone that i think is actually very comparable to sheeta in wrestling talent as well i mean she's beyond talented so i'm really happy that um you know she's gonna give that spotlight to the nwa and that unfortunately too i mean the nwa being kind of one of the casualties of what's happening right now with covid i mean they were doing very very well uh, for for several months uh, but it does seem like they've been adapted or adopted into a uh, the United Wrestling Network, who's gonna be putting on live t- or uh, televised TV um, starting in a few weeks, which is going to incorporate elements of the NWA. So that too, I mean, that's part of the future where we may see partnerships with promotions that we didn't think of before, but in some ways they may have to, in order to, to, you know, keep producing more content or even to survive. Um, So you may be able to, you know, watch the United Wrestling Network. I think it's uh, September 19th, Um, but they're going to be back and you may be able to see some of that NWA action uh, when it airs.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. Also for uh, All Out, this coming Saturday. Well, you guys here on the 1130 podcast, you guys. Miranda was my first woman here on the show. So excited. You Um, you always welcome back. This was very, very fun. Um, You know, I don't really have too many, you know, women that I can chat wrestling with. It's mainly guys.
1: same same
0: here (laughs) so this is this is this is really really cool i appreciate it so so much um before we wrap it up um any upcoming events that you have and also shout outs that you want to give
1: yeah yeah of course uh well upcoming events uh, i mentioned there may be some happenings in arizona um, with Impact Zone Wrestling, so make sure you check out Impact Zone Wrestling, IZW, uh, on social media. I believe it's IZW Wrestling um, on social media and also IZWWrestling.com um, for information. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda. So you can keep up to date on um, anywhere that I'm, I'm at as far as promotion wise. And then my podcasting, like I said, definitely keeps me busy. Uh, I do that every single week uh, with the chair shot. Um, I have podcasts that drop on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays um, with the Greg DeMarco show and the hashtag Miranda show. Uh, you can find that on the chair shot.com and then Lucha central weekly uh, that podcast drops every Friday um, and you can find those on all all of your uh, podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, PodBay Speaker. But you can also check out uh, thecheershop.com and Louisville.com for those. I also do an impact weekly review um, for big gold belt media. Um, when the Chambers, one of my dear friends out there, we watch impact every week and we talk about it. Um, and we do a, a short little video cast on it. That's a lot of fun. So you can go to big, I'm sorry, big gold belt media, uh, for, for that. And, uh, yeah, I thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I always enjoy talking wrestling and and man, you got a lot of great questions and, and knowledge of wrestling. So this to me is like a great, uh, a great day. Great uh, interview. Thank you so much
0: no problem no problem i gotta get you on we're gonna talk some more impact we gotta talk some impact too i kind of i like... know
1: there's so much more there's, yeah. <laughs> for, for it being a shortage and not a lot of things happening there's a lot of things happening yeah, so it's, it's a lot. don't worry i'll bring you in once there's more lucha libre out there too and you know, i'll bring into the fall there's there's some things happening in mexico uh, that are starting to slowly come up so uh that's also something that i'm happy to, to talk to you about
0: okay cool i'm i'm down i'm down i will always you're always welcome here as a guest yeah. on talk pro wrestling thank you very much Miranda. yo miranda i appreciate you stopping by here on the 11 30 podcast that was dope you guys that was really really dope first female guest here on talk pro wrestling and like i was saying where a man a lot of guys you know a lot of wrestling fans that i know it's more guys so i don't really have that opportunity to sit and chat with a woman you know about wrestling you know and to me you know chatting with a woman about wrestling that's that's amazing that's that's cool right there <laughs> that's cool but once again miranda barrage you guys uh thank you once again for stopping by here on the 11:30 podcast talk pro wrestling man this was dope you guys this was dope what a crazy week you guys what a week wild week of uh pro wrestling um, and just in wrestling and or in the world in general, though. But I hope everybody out there stays safe, um, wash your hands, be safe. Um, you guys don't forget to follow the 1130 podcast on Twitter at DreonWheels follow me on instagram at the 1130 podcast if you want to be a part of the 1130 podcast guest, email me at the 1130 podcast at gmail.com uh, subscribe to the 1130 podcast on youtube you guys uh what else uh like the 1130 podcast on facebook you guys and man i appreciate it once again on apple podcast don't forget to leave me a five-star rating and a review. I appreciate it so so much, you guys, man. It's your man Drake, aka Drake on Wheels. I appreciate you guys joining me here. Thank you, Miranda. And uh